it's not a personal favorite of mine, but it's um, I think it's on it's mainly neat as a little historical artifact because, like, say, it is very much say um, like in some ways it is very much a, a unicorn song. Mm-hmm. Well, I say this without without knowing what a unicorn song sounds like because I don't know if there are any other reco- there's any recordings of their music out there, but. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's very much her working with somebody else's sound. So she's it's still you know not really the Kate Bush sound yet. She's still working it out. Like she, since this is her first studio session ever, but there's a sort of um halfway point between um prog and glam, I guess you could say. to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about a B-side from Army Dreamers called Passing Through Air. Passing through air, mix the stars with your arms. Walking through talk about the song this week go ahead and introduce yourself hi i'm chris kelly i also track uh, kate bush song o song but in, pr- in prose at uh, wordpress on uh, uh, my blog dream of organon which is available at uh, katebushsongs.wordpress.com and you wrote an extensive entry about the song i did didn't i yes you did and that's why i was like hey poke poke you want to talk about this song can you be my person for this song and of course, I, I can never refuse a strange phenomena appearance, so I immediately said yes. Of course! Oh my goodness. So, this week we're talking about a very short song. I mean, it's only two minutes. And it was a B-side to Army Dreamers. It was released on September 22nd, 1980 as uh, the B-side for Army Dreamers. But it was recorded much earlier, which I find very interesting. And I know we're going to talk extensively about that. Yes. <laughs> that it was, this was recorded in 1973 as part of a series of songs fleshed out by David Gilmour and the guys from one of his side projects called Unicorn. And they got together one afternoon. They came up with this and I presumably several other songs, but this is the only one that's been officially released. Yeah, and so this is actually the first, this is the earliest recorded officially released Kate Bush song we have. So this is sort of the beginning of her studio career. Now, was this recorded even before Saxophone Song, or I wonder if this was recorded at the same time? It's possible, <coughs> excuse me, I mean the recording of sax, the recordings of the Saxophone Song and the man with the child in his eyes that we have are from uh, studio session in 75. But uh, we ah. like th- th- I think those songs may have been also recorded in um, in the same session as Passing Through Air, but it's 
kind of impossible to tell what was recorded there because nothing as far as tapes go. Yeah, and anything of that might get released, I don't know, when the uh, Never Forever title track gets released or the Before the Dawn DVD. (laughs) 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 Pretty much. I mean, just saying it can even make it happen. I don't know when. (laughs) Anyway, but back to the song. So, yeah, this was recorded with David Gilmore, and he was a family friend. I know we've kind of talked about him before, especially in the... Uh, the kick inside season that he was a friend of a friend and he came around and listened to some of her songs and put up some money to have her record more of her songs in a better setting other than just a cheap tape, cheapo tape recorder sitting on the piano. Probably. I thought he was one of those obscure artists that Kate Bush gave a career to. Oh yeah. You mean like Peter Gabriel? Yep. <laughs> think about this song what do you like about this song it's not a personal favorite of mine but it's um i think it's on it's mainly neat as a little historical artifact because like say it is very much say um like in some ways it is very much a, a unicorn song mm-hmm. well i say this without, without knowing what a unicorn song sounds like because i don't know if there are any other record there's not any recordings of their music out there but yeah, it's but yeah, it's very much her working with somebody else's sound. So she's it's still you know not really the Kate Bush sound yet. She's still working it out. Like she, since this is her first studio session ever, but there's a sort of um halfway point between um prog and glam, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Like the, like so the prog like it's obviously a prog band she's working with. We would so it's these very these little um. Very 70s rock touches, like, say, there's this little bit I like, um, I'm trying to remember which line it, it, exactly it's on, it's, um, you know, when she sings, uh, you mix the stars with your arms, mm-hmm. and the, that little, uh, touch with the symbol, which I kind of like. Mix the stars with your arms. Yeah, the ad, the ad that is kind of like a, ooh, pretty little, like, flash of something. Yeah, it's whimsical. And indeed, the lyrics of this are, if not whimsical, they're, I think they're quite poetic, for I guess she would have we'll see she was born in 1958 this was 1973 so she was 15 years old when she wrote this song yeah I'm sure this is much better than any lyrics we were writing at 15 um yes they were I found lyrics I wrote when I was 15 and they were just uh very basic kind of pop lyrics <laughs> I don't suppose you can share us with them with us today no oh hell no hell no <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. Like, it's very much like, <clears throat> excuse me it's very much lyrics written by a fifteen-year-old, but um, you know, like there's like it's still very much from like jumping around, kind of uneven. Say so, like mm-hmm. say compare this to Babushka, which I because I am a fucking literary dweeb. I sat down the other day, analyzed Babushka's lyrics, and counted the syllables for each line. I I, I no, I'm sorry, and so it turns out like there's this roughly equal syllable count, like well, like say. Like for for each verse of like the first line is in both has seven uh, seven syllables. Next one has seven syllables as well. Then fourth has like eight for both. But yeah, it's like there's this real consistency in her later work. That's like no, it's not quite there yet. Yeah, but I mean some of the poetic language like you mix the stars with your arms. I love that line. Yeah, that's that, that's the sort of thing that she'll build her career on. That's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that say Wuthering Heights and Babushka are made of. Very much. 
And I mean, the feeling I get from this song is it's kind of a yearning love song. I mean, if, if the chorus doesn't give it away, I mean, you, don't you throw my love away? I need your loving. I need your loving. But then it's matched with some very poetic lyrics in the verses, like passing through air, you mix the stars with your arms, walking through there, the doom of eternity balms, skies of gray are not today. They're very, that's very poetic language. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a garden song. It's a very green song, like mm-hmm. a lot of at least is that where you can just imagine it being a <coughs> song in a garden. I mean, very much like something like a song or some of these other really early songs that you've written about, like oh, oh something kind God. of yeah, you're like being out in nature or you're looking at something very elusive that you can't quite get. I barely remember what I wrote about those songs. <laughs> Well, I know it's been a while. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, I should probably remember this stuff off the top of my head. But yeah, those were yeah, those, those, they're fun. I mean, they're they're kind of fun to write about in that say like they're ba- like I've not to brag, but I've basically written the most extensive analysis on these on these early demo tapes that exist because they don't really have like most of these songs don't really get broken down like say in books. Mm-mm. I mean, certainly even Kate doesn't really acknowledge them. I don't need, even this one, it was officially released, but she doesn't really have anything that she said about it. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that releasing this one as a B-side is probably just an economical choice. Like, rather than spending money in the studio to record something new, she thought, well, I have this song from seven years ago. Let's just put it on the Vietnam War record. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty song. It's very much of the time. I can tell with the way that things are mixed. It sounds very, very mid-70s. Yeah. And I'm I'm with you. For me, it's an interesting artifact and a glimpse into what she was like when she was 15 and writing songs and what it might have sounded like to have all of her songs that she was working on being recorded in a more professional capacity. Yeah, it, it sounds, I mean, like, it, in terms of, of sound, it's not actually, well, in terms of composition, it's not that far off what, whatever much you've been doing recently, but it sounds differently because it's in a different production, but it just goes to show, like, yeah, these, like, sure songs can work uh, when produced in a studio. And she definitely, uh, in this song, shows off her her skills for using chords with each other that don't necessarily belong. I mean, just the first line, passing through air, you mix the stars with the arms, A major to F to A minor. Passing through air, mix the stars with your arms. That's, yeah, that's... That's something I remember writing about. Oh, yeah, I remember looking through the sheet music for that one and just going, oh, that's not right. Yeah, but you get A major and F major you almost never have with the, with the, with each other. The chorus is pretty standard. It goes to G and C and G and C, G, C, and then back to this kind of uncertain-sounding verse. Oh, don't you know my Oh, don't you pour down rain today I need your love, I need your 
you don't really tend to hear them um, say like F and A together, like say. Mm-mm. Yeah, I see you're getting at the guitar there. Yep. Yeah, that that just sounds kind of odd. I mean, part of that's because it's an unplugged electric guitar, but. <laughs> but yeah, that's it, it's. I don't think it's say like musically it's say as uh, interesting as some of her later stuff or like she, like say even the like the more like in the experimental in, instincts uh, in her later stuff is more controlled whereas like here like they're interesting but it doesn't sound like she has complete control over her sound yet. But she did say that she really enjoyed overdubbing her voice. Uh, I mean, there's, there's this big extensive quote from Under the Ivy where it says, quote, she even got to overdub for the first time. Quote, I put in this little electric piano thing down and I rem- remember thinking, ooh, I like this. <laughs> you can just imagine how much fun it would be to work uh, with her in the studio with that for the first time. Just uh mm-hmm. You can imagine, like, this little uh, mad scientist running around, just looking at all these cool new little toys for her to play with. I mean, I was about her age, actually, when I first went into a recording studio. I had to get a professional recording of my voice to audition for a choir in North Carolina. Oh, wow. And I didn't even care about getting into the damn choir. I just wanted an excuse to go into a recording studio (laughs) and see what all all the knobs and stuff do. And I remember going in there, I think I still have the CD of it somewhere, where I sang a scale, and then I sang part of a song, and I had to do it a cappella, which was weird. But oh. I remember being fascinated by all, wow, you can go in this space and create all this music, and whoa, this is really cool. You know, wow, unbelievable. <laughs> Copyright Kate Bush. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> she copyrighted the word wow. Yeah, she she invented the word wow. It's incredible. And she did. It's unbelievable. <laughs> anyway. So, let's see. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's it's pretty... It's very much of the time I can tell it's her. Just the way she's pronouncing things. I could just... I always tell Kate. When I have all my ladies on shuffle in iTunes, I can tell as soon as she comes up. Like, oh, yep. That's her. I can tell within a note. <laughs> Yep, it's um yeah. Whenever she's singing in the key of Q minor, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Which is what she does all the time. I'm gonna pull up here this huge quote uh, from Under the Ivy, where uh, Graham Thompson talked about the song. He says, "Passing through air is a strange beast. It's a catchy little song, but lacks spark. The arrangement is generic, and the performances are solid but stiff, betraying the fact that the players were effectively feeling their way into the song as they went along." Only on the unvarnished solo piano version of the same song, often called Need Your Loving, which can be heard on bootlegs, can you really hear a glimpse of something hinting at greatness. Thank you. 
faint. On the band version, Bush's voice is pretty but unremarkable, and though recognizably her, it's very firmly in the mold of other female singer-songwriters of that time. There's more than a little Kate and Anna McGarrigal, a touch of Judy Sill, Laura Nairo, and Joni Mitchell, even a little Elkie Brooks and Linda Lewis. And as we're pointing out here, for uh, I had to look up who Elkie Brooks was. She was one of those singers bigger over in the UK than the US, and she was Best known for a song called Don't Cry Out Loud, which I knew being sung by a, a different singer, Melissa Manchester, was one of those soft rock radio staples from like way back when I was a kid. I would hear, Don't Cry Out Loud. And Linda Lewis was a British 70s pop singer. Um, I can maybe hear a little bit of Kate's vocal approach in Passing Through Air and some of what I heard of her on YouTube, but like very, very slight. Like, the artists from that list that I re- that I definitely recognized as an influence um, will be will be they'll be uh, Kate and Anna McGarrigal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and after are- and after you mentioned her uh, a little bit later on the notes, I was like, okay, who is that? Because I hadn't heard of her before. I I can hear a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, so was, uh, she named uh, the other song. Uh, I'm probably butchering the French here, but uh, "Comprends la pauvre Saint Catherine," which is um, it was it was a hit of theirs. And actually, there's this 1980 interview which. It's, uh, li- it's which is mentioned in the book uh, Kate Bush a visual documentary where she lists some of her favorite songs which I don't think you can find anywhere else but yeah she mentions this as one of her favorite tunes and you can definitely hear the influence it's probably a mix of that and Elton John yeah oh yeah complaint pour Saint Catherine so uh, like lament for Saint Catherine yeah that's that's it though. yeah speaking of like you know talking about her vocal range um, certainly no great swoops and soars. Quote, when Wuthering Heights first came out a few years later, I was a bit surprised because I don't remember her sounding quite like that, says Martin, who was the um, he was the uh, producer for the song. I don't know if they did something to it or deliberately made it sound weird, but that's not how I remember she sound, sounded in those sessions. It was more Joni Mitchell-like that was obviously an influence. But think of the thrill. After only a few hours, she came away with a tape of herself playing with a professional band, one of whom was a member of Pink Floyd. Her songs colored in, beefed up and fleshed out springing to life outside her own head and home. She even got to overdub for the first time. I put this little electric piano thing down and I remember thinking, ooh, I like this. So she played, the, the band she played with was Unicorn. Uh, it was Pat Martin, Peter Perrier, and of course Dave, Dave Gilmore. He put up the money for it. Uh, recorded, by, I guess, presumably at his home studio. 
Yep. Yeah, it was uh, it was there, I, which I believe is. I'm, pl- I'm gonna source my own entry now. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's honestly, that's what I figured you were gonna do. <laughs> um, now, an interesting little tidbit here. This was in the uh, the a footnote actually in Under the Ivy. It says, "Quote: The occasion revealed another example of Bush's innate sense of decency." Pat Martin, quote, years later, she put out a single, Army Dreamers, and one of the additional tracks on it was passing through her air, and I remember getting a check for it. She organized to send us some money out of the blue, which was a nice gesture. She was that sort of person, a really nice, unaffected person. I remember after Weathering Heights came out and Unicorn was killed by Punk, just after we'd had that fateful meeting, we went home and put the telly on, and she was sat there talking, and she actually mentioned us. She said she'd really like to thank the guys from Unicorn for helping her. Oh. I know, such a nice person, oh my goodness. That's a good story. Indeed. Yeah, she had never played with other musicians before. Never even played her music in front of anyone except her family. She wasn't going around to open mic nights like me. (laughs) (laughs) Playing her music. She was just kept it at home. And she, I can't imagine, I mean, what an experience. That you're 15 years old. You've got this secret talent that you're singing and playing your own songs for your family and for yourself. And somebody from a hit band decides to take a chance on you. No, not from ABBA, but they decide to take a chance on you. And you get to record with him and other musicians for the first time. Like, God, I wonder what that must have been like for her. Well, I'm going to use that favorite word of ours, batshit. <laughs> you mean the idea with her playing with all these people? I mean, yeah, like say, just uh, like at 15 years old, like she gets noticed by Dave Gilmore, and then a few years later, she's on top of the charts. That's, I think you can safely say that's not something that's ever happened anywhere else ever. I mean, certainly having a 15 year old writing a song like this. I mean, it's not extra, and it's not an extraordinary song. I mean, you and I both agree. We're like, yeah, you know, it's a nice artifact for the time, but it's it's nothing extraordinary. But still, like, that she was 15 when she wrote this. What? It's more it's more of a pop song than some of the other songs she was recording at the For time. Because sure. a lot of it, it's, um... Well, you can be sure that if Kate Bush was was a teenager in the 80s, she would have been a Smiths fan. Because some, some of these songs, they're what Smiths fans would be writing. Mm, I can see that, because some of the lyrics are kind of dark. Yeah, I mean, like, at least half of the Kathy and Phoenix demos are about being miserable. So, what are your thoughts on why this might have been a B-side for Army Dreamers? Why she would have kind of pulled out something from way years ago? Well, I don't want to say it was to save money, but probably chiefly to save money. Is that usually how things go? People, like, always trying to save money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I suspect, like, obviously, she she must have taken some pride in the song. Otherwise, like, she wouldn't have put it, like, she's a notorious perfectionist. That's why she goes into hiding, well, not hiding, but disappears from the public view for years and years to, to, to make something that's perfect and obviously doesn't always succeed. But, yeah, clearly, like, this is something that she was, she was proud enough to release. So, like, I guess, like, if she had something from the archives, like, she's like, okay, I need to get the B-side out there. Like, okay, let's just go with this. Mm-hmm. Like, say, Delius is the other B-side, I believe, so she probably yeah. wanted something that people hadn't heard before that they wouldn't 
here on the album. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's probably why she put it out. And it's a, an interesting contrast having this song that was written by her when she was so young with a song like Army Dreamers that was about somebody dying young. Yeah, I mean, let's see, like, say you like listen to Army Dreamers, then you flip over and hear Delius and uh, Passing uh, Through Air, and those are three songs that, that don't really sound alike. Mm-mm. Army Dreamers is like a kind of thoughtful folk... Delius is something, uh, experimental kind of, and then passing through air, like, is very mid-70s Elton John. One pop song and two, um, two Kate Bush things. Yeah. Genre, Kate Bush. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe Kate Bush is a whole genre now. No, she pretty much is. I think we pretty much covered everything because really there's not a lot about this song. Yeah, it's it's a decidedly minor uh, moment in her history. It's good to know what she sounded like when she was younger. It's cute. And that's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, actually I think this is actually my least read blog post. Like it gets read less than all the others. Hmm. I guess, like, people are, like, I don't know, they're just, um, it's like, say, I think, like, right after this came, uh, I think saxophone, well, it's, yeah, saxophone song is right after this, and mm-hmm. it's, so it's between one demo post and saxophone song, so, like, people are tired of the demos, so they skip this one and maybe move on to saxophone song, but, yeah, just, I guess people are just kind of itching for the kick inside after hearing this. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, but, honestly, kind of slight song in her discography, but, it's still worth listening to, and like, oh, okay, that was an interesting two minutes. There you go. Yeah, yeah most Kate Bush songs are worth listening to. Well, any last thoughts about Passing Through Air? I think we've covered everything. Honestly, yeah, we've, we've talked more about this song than the song actually lasts, actually. <laughs> I mean, you can say that for every podcast you've recorded. Yeah, especially for Nights Ended Stock. I did a longer... <laughs> The song itself is just 50 seconds of ah, and I talked about it for nine minutes and 50 seconds. <laughs> I mean, there's basically a half-hour version of, of Night Scented Stalk. It's called The Ninth Wave. That's unfair to that's unfair to The Ninth Wave, but... It is otherworldly, though, like The Ninth Wave. Well, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Yay! Always great to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. Of course! If you have a favorite Kate Bush song that you would love to talk about for a future episode, or if there's something about this week's song that we didn't get to in our discussion, here's where you can contact me. You can find me online, kbcast.linkmedia.com. You can email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's linked with an E. You can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash katebushpodcast. Join us for a discussion of the non-album A-side track, 
next week where I get to talk with Keith Bloomfield DeWeese all about one of his favorite Kate Bush songs, December Will Be Magic Again. See everybody next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.